tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Who's Tyler? Maloney's Mickey. Shroud of Turin. And Roadmap Clues. I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Um, so, Crystal, I realize yep. we're literally just talking about pretty much the same topic right before mm-hmm. we started recording. Mm-hmm. But actually, what I have to talk to you about today involves runs on grocery stores because of Corona panic. Yeah. Talk to me about it. Okay, so back uh, just earlier this week on, like, Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, a car I had bought off public surplus I managed to sell. So I... I oh. Yeah, I had, I had some... The cop I, car? Uh, no, no, it was... Uh, I bought a, uh, a non-cop car vehicle from the county, and it was just sort of... Mm-hmm. It's been a month... Uh, uh, being stored on uh, next to the house of someone I knew in in the town I purchased it in. Person person mm-hmm. I knew they they had a coworker who needed a car. The coworker mm-hmm. amassed the required amount of money over the course of February and last Tuesday they they conducted the transaction. So I went by and picked up my money and mm-hmm. um, you know so I had a nice thick wad of cash just shoved into my pocket. nice oh let me tell you it love was, to hear it yeah <laughs> yeah i was like oh man this is uh this is quite yeah. a few andrew jackson's did you uh did you blow it all on uh, to- totino's uh pizza pockets and mountain dew red code red <laughs> Crystal, I I'm so glad you know me so well that like <laughs> that that would be that would that would be my my luxury meal above all others. Yeah. But actually, I instead of splurging it on luxury, I decided I'm going to do the responsible thing and panic buy for Corona before the other people start panicking. Okay, so you have a, f- a refrigerator full of pizza pockets now. <laughs> uh, no, uh, mostly what I purchased was uh, Gatorade. You know, so mm-hmm. in case I get sick, I can get something with the electrolytes. A lot of those, uh, uh, you know, that V eight fusion drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, not the nasty tomato juice one, but the one that is like a yeah. Yeah, I bought a bunch of those. Um, I already have like because I've also been stocking up because I I've been volunteering at the food bank in Dayton, and if you volunteer oh, okay. and if you volunteer there, you get to like get a box of food yourself. So oh. I've been like uh, every every. T- every two weeks when i go in there to volunteer i am like oh, okay so here's some canned you know some canned meats whether it's chicken or you know tuna or whatever 
Uh, take a yeah. few of these. Uh, this package of lentils. Uh, usually, like, uh, they, they, they practically force, like, two containers of peanut butter into my hands each time, too. So, mm-hmm. I have, like, I'm good on peanut, I have enough protein via peanut butter that I'll, I'll, I'll be yeah. fine. So, I bought, like. What kind, what kind of peanut butter is it? I'm just wondering. Unfortunately, because I'm, like, I'm actually a chunky guy, and unfortunately, all they have <laughs> is creamy for, at least, you uh-uh. know. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, but I, uh-huh. at, when I was doing my shopping, I bought multiple boxes of, um, saltines, premium saltines. Mm-hmm. You know, not the, because I didn't want to get stuck with the situation where I'd have to be buying the store brand. Um, yeah, because th- those crackers will crumble to pieces. You want the good name brand quality saltine crackers if you're going to be spreading peanut butter on them, because th- those will those will not crumble. Uh, then you know, like a bunch of because um, uh, I do most of my cooking uh, since I live in a trailer, doing it with this little uh, butane stove thing. So I bought like. Mm-hmm. 30 canisters for that. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I, I not, mean, you're nothing if not resourceful. Yes, yes. Uh, I, uh, I'm i actually, yeah, a bunch of other miscellaneous odds and ends. And so I'm basically like, if there's this, uh, I, it, it's funny, like my, my Corona preparation shopping is not too indistinguishable from just my normal shopping. So if anything, mm-hmm. I just don't have to go out to the grocery store <laughs> for the next six months. Um, wow. Yeah. But but the thing is, is like when I was when I was going around there picking stuff up, this was before like the worry had really set in with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I noticed that the uh, the hand sanitizer wipes were gone but that was about it but mm. still like I, I sort of i turned it into a game because i was like i was like okay i'm gonna pretend that i'm you know that that this is like this is it this is about the right where the panic is going to set in any moment mm-hmm. the people around me are just going to go fucking nuts and so I would mm-hmm. like look at every person and be like, oh man, if that guy, that man walking by me knows that like this, this armful of saltine boxes that I'm carrying are the mm-hmm. last name brand saltines I left on, on that shelf and the rest of our <laughs> store brand, he will bash mm-hmm. my head in and run away with these. That's like, that's that, pretty intense, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, like, it's like, Okay. I have to make sure to act cool because if they see me panic, it's going to be that like that one that one catalyst that just tips mm. it over and it all goes it all goes crazy. Uh, I, I mean, I I was you know looking at looking at though actually it was funny. I I was here. I did hear more than one person on their cell phone talking about worries, uh, Corona worries. So, but yeah, you know. I, I, the funniest thing is here, um, 
yeah the only thing that's been out is toilet paper <laughs> like the stores are full of food um frozen fresh or otherwise um ralph's was running a little last week and running a little bit low on hagen but they typically are and it was also super on sale so i'm going to say that was like not coronavirus related. right right uh, uh, it was like there. yeah well, i think when hagen gets under three three dollars a pint people holy crap yeah i i know i would be yeah. like reaching in and, and grabbing all that out um, yeah so um but yeah i don't understand people's t- there must be like a lot of toilet paper fetishists out there um <laughs> because everything else is in stock i don't know i and also the thing is like don't hoard toilet paper or anything because there are people out here who first of all like can't afford to buy things in bulk that way and they sometimes need to go to the store more often as they get paid and they can't afford to do that so please don't buy all the shit that's fucked up don't do it um that's a, yeah toilet that's paper very, panic yeah yeah that's a very strong statement there i, I appreciate the yeah i mean just behind it maybe i mean there's a big difference between just picking up a little bit extra of something while you're at the store just to make sure you have it and then like buying all of something so um <laughs> th- that said do you want to get into a uh, season four episode what is this three of uh, unsolved mysteries this season has yeah. not disappointed so far oh god it's I, I i feel like we're being rewarded for having hung in here this long making dumb podcasts about this dumb show <laughs> because I just really, in so much as this doesn't really apply to the first segment, um, but the reenactments have just been fantastic. Like, I feel like they could afford to hire, like, actors and rehearse and stuff. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) They've been really awesome. So the first uh, segment is actually an amnesia segment. Which, I don't know how, how long ago it was since we've had one of these. Yeah, uh, it's been a while, and that was like, God, I can't even remember that segment uh, distinctly. It's actually funny, when this segment started, I was wondering whether, like, cause they were talking about this guy, and, you know, uh, who could he be, and da 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 and then, uh, the first thing that popped in my head was, like, is he a tennis instructor from Los Angeles? <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild if, like... One that unsolved. would be wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that would be so great. But that's not what happens here. No. Um, so so a, no. This a young is man much call- much stranger. <laughs> yeah. This is. Uh, I think this is going to be in contention for one of my favorite segments ever on Unsolved oh, wow. Mysteries. Yeah. And I'll and I'll yeah I'll it's a really good one. And I'll explain why at the end. But anyway, so there's a guy named Tyler. We well, that's what we call him at the beginning of the segment. And yes. uh, in 1991, he was found just wandering through the desert outside of Las Vegas. Um, he had no ID on him. He had been out there for what he said was three days. He was, uh, you know, when he was found, he was super dehydrated, and so they treated him. Um, Tyler is actually describing his experience of being in the hospital and just saying he's really confused. He didn't know what his name was. He didn't know where he was. They have a really intense um, reenactment of him, of, of him being oh, on yeah. the yeah, bed. And just like the entire 
bed or, or gurney or whatever he's on is surrounded by medical people all asking him these questions, mm-hmm. which I can only like, I assume must be an exaggeration uh, because yeah. if it's not, that seems like it would be counterproductive. Like, you know, you, yeah, you totally. got someone who doesn't, you know, you're, you're bombarding with like, well, like it, it would be a very frightening experience if I woke up in the, in that and didn't know. Who oh, I was. yeah. Yeah. Totally. And the other interesting thing is like, this is actually how the show opens is with this reenactment. So the, so usually it's been opening with like a little teaser for all of the segments. No. um, Yeah. That are to come. And then this time it just goes straight into the reenactment before credits, the opening sequence of uh, it's this uh, hospital reenactment. So Mm -hmm. it was uh, the format changed a little bit, but I think it made it, we we like really just dive right in. To right, right. It's intense. The first segment. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So uh. So Tyler's diagnosed with psychological amnesia, which or psychogenic amnesia, which I guess isn't. It's doesn't. It's emotional trauma. It's not when you've had a brain injury. I okay. guess. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> my, my... I'm just repeating what I'm seeing here. My knowledge um, of amnesia is confined entirely to sitcoms. So yeah, I mean, or soap my, operas. Yeah, yeah. So from my understanding, like, because you know, there there's that episode of Alf where he gets amnesia and he he doesn't believe uh-huh. he's an alien. He thinks he's a human businessman, and. Uh-huh. Then there was like there was like I'm sure there I'm sure pretty much every every sitcom has an amnesia episode because that's like you know right. if you're running out of ideas you just oh th- this is easy we'll throw that out and yeah uh, there was what yeah. the one with uh, Perfect Strangers where Larry loses his memory and Balky try takes it upon himself to try to help him remember you know not actually taking him to mm-hmm. medical <laughs> medical help. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, apparently amnesia in real life is, is not all fun and games like it is <laughs> on, on tel- nightly television. No, it's, um, seems to be a- absolutely terrifying. Uh, it's what I can say after watching this segment. Yeah. So time goes on. Uh, Tyler, um, describes having some kind of like pull to San Diego. So he thought he might be from there. Or something. Um, there's no one can find any matching fingerprints of him. Uh, there's no missing persons out fitting his description. So anyway, uh, what I imagine originally was a very short to be a very short segment <laughs> on Unsolved Mysteries has a series of updates that have been added um, now. So the first thing that it happens gets crazy is that from here on out. Yeah, uh, the first thing that happened, it's actually from here on out, it's not even a series of reenactments because what happened was is the camera crew happened to be in Tyler's location when this series of events plays out. So they actually got it happening in real time, which is pretty unprecedented, Yeah, I think. Except for a few like lost loves or a few arrests where they got like b-roll footage of like the person being taken out of the courtroom this is like all unfolding while um tyler is waiting for the segment to air so what happens is tyler's in las vegas he is sitting there with some friends i guess um yeah and 
and the camera crew from Unsolved Mysteries is also there um, getting ready for the segment to air. And obviously, you know, there's this call center. So a lot of things happen as soon as the segment airs, somebody will call into the call center. And so the camera crew was there wanting to see Tyler's reaction or what happens if someone sees the episode and calls in. Well, before the episode even airs, some private investigator or cop or something yeah, uh, connects with the... Pro- yeah, I don't really know how this happened, but I, I guess they were able to connect with the producers of Unsolved Mysteries because they knew that Tyler was looking for his family or anyone who knew him. And uh, before the episode even airs, and while the television crew is sitting in this living room filming Tyler, he gets connected with someone who, uh, a woman who says uh, that she's his mother and mm-hmm. that... Um, you know, he had been living in Boise, Idaho. His He had an estranged wife and two kids that lived out in Iowa. Um, his real name is Arthur Paul Beal, but he goes by Paul. Um, so, <laughs> minutes after... <laughs> what's that? No, 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 no. Just keep going. This is, I don't want to interrupt the flow. This is... This is... Yeah, minutes... Minutes after he speaks with his mother, guess what? There's a knock on the door, and it's the Las Vegas police. <laughs> and they ar- and ar- they arrest him for grand larceny. So I guess what had happened is back in Boise, this guy Paul was wanted for uh, stealing a shipment of frozen food <laughs> from a food supply company. That's I don't know, maybe he had a like, coronavirus parts. panic. <laughs> yeah, it's a, tr- a shipment of frozen food. I um, spent... I spent a good amount of time after the segment. I paused it and I just tried to wrap my head around that. Like, it's like, uh, I mean, what if you're engaged in a criminal enterprise? I just stealing a load of frozen food seems really strange. I mean, who are you going to sell it to? It's not like there's like a chop shop or like. He's going to drive in. They're going to close the uh, the thing behind him. You know, a bunch of guys get to work. Yeah. All right, let's get this unloaded. Get it into the freezers. <laughs> like, it's it's just a gr- another grocery store. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, it's not explained whatsoever in this segment. And I'm looking at the wiki right now. So I guess he's, this is how the story goes. He stole the truck. Yeah. Or the food supply. I don't know. Um, then he drove to Las Vegas from Boise to sell the food. And then three weeks later, he and the food showed up in Boulder City, which is nearish to Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, so he was picked up by the police then and told about the potential charges against him if if, it, if the food wasn't returned to Boise. So I guess the cops said, hey, you got to take the food back to Boise. <laughs> um <laughs> And then Paul was like, okay, I'm going to go to Boise. I I regret my decisions. But then three days later is when he was discovered wandering aimlessly in the desert. So if you remember at the beginning, I said that this guy Tyler was picked up and said he, he, he claimed to have been in the desert for three days. Yeah. So. Um, so the timeline here is a little... So he got amnesia after talking to the cops? <laughs> in Boulder City? Yeah, so the I, cops are all interviewed and they're like I don't know man like either this guy is an incredible actor or he had amnesia like yeah the, um, so they, they say like like yeah the, the lead investigator is like you know this was a very smart man he could 
he could probably pull off faking it. Because, um, I mean, like... Yeah. <laughs> dude, I, well, I don't know, though, but they film him on the phone with his, mo- his mom, and he's, like, crying, and, like, he's really emotional and confused, and, like... So, so... Why would you fake amnesia? I mean, it's not like he murdered someone. He just stole some food. (laughs) Why would you abandon your whole life over that? I I just can't get my head around why he would steal the shipment of food in the first place. I mean, I guess because it's just so such a strange oddball thing to steal. Yeah. I mean, granted, (laughs) it probably. Well, I guess this was this was early 90s, right? Yeah, I mean, if it had been a truck, uh, a shipment of baseball cards, I mean, in the early '90s, people at least would have believed those had value, and they would not have had or pogs, the, or, or pogs. <laughs> yeah, I remember pogs from like fifth or or sixth grade. Yeah, I guess that would have been mid '90s. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no that, that, that's that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I I, I mean, I do remember pogs. I haven't seen them in a long time. I, I feel like that's something that you could just, mm-hmm. they, they could just recycle and make hip again for another uh, stretch of four mm-hmm. months before they. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, should I, should I, um, should we do a, a millennial uh, moment? What were we calling these a while back? Well, millennial you know, updates? I've been, millennial I've moments? Been, you know, it's funny. I was recently <laughs> reading something, something and I feel like uh-huh. we, we really, We've made a bit of a mistake. I mean, not so much with Pogs, because mm-hmm. that was such a flash-in-the-pan specific, uh-huh. like, blip that, yeah, if you were born after 95, you would have no idea. Yeah. But, but the thing is, I was reading somewhere, like, I guess the, the youngest millennials now are 24. Mm, okay. So sometimes, I mean... and. Yeah, obviously, if you're on the younger scale of millennials, you're not going to remember the same sort of stuff we remember. But I feel right. like, to a certain degree, maybe we're, uh, some. I mean, with sp- certain specific items, maybe, maybe we should be addressing the the what, what are they the zoomers? I don't really know what that word means, but I've seen it online. So they're, sure, the, yeah, they're the. I guess I. If I understand correctly, they're the the generation that comes after millennials. Okay. So okay. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of millennials who don't know what pogs are, but the Zoomers, I'm mm-hmm. sure, are going to be completely oblivious. So yes, Crystal, let's let's update Zoomers okay. and younger millennials on pogs. <laughs> okay. So this is the Zoomer the Zoomer minute here. That sounds good. Pogs were, um, well, shit. I realize I'm defining pogs. I have to define another thing that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> ah! Um, pogs were basically milk bottle cap shaped things. Um, that's what they were. They were the, see? I gotta go further back in time. But basically, they were these, they were like thick cardboard cut out things. And then you had um, like a metal disc and those, I think, had various designs. I remember I had one that was like an eight ball. I had one from like Marine World Africa USA, <laughs> which I would have to take a couple more Zoomer minutes to explain what that was. But anyway, um, <laughs> you have these metal discs, and basic. If I recall, the way that you 
played or collected pogs is you got in a group of people and basically you flipped flipped them and if you flipped them a certain way it was kind of like playing um jacks or marbles yeah yeah god damn it i <laughs> yeah you... <laughs> For all you zoomers out there, I have to explain Jax. too many things to explain pogs. <laughs> I'm like, you see, jacks were these little metal spiky things, and you bounce a rubber ball, and then you collect as many jacks as you can while the ball is in the air. Uh, marbles, you used to shoot around, and if you knocked them a certain distance, you got to keep the other person's marbles. Anyway, so pogs were like that. Fuck this. Can we? Should I just keep talking about this all the streets? I can't explain what pogs are without explaining what like a million other things are that we don't I, play I with anymore. I didn't realize pogs would would have so many like tangential connections. But yeah, basically they're just a thing that kids in intermediate school played with. They're cardboard right. circular disc. You'd like, I guess yeah. you'd you'd stack them up in the in a in a, in a small tower, and you try to use that metal piece to like knock them off. And I I I, I guess, but was it they'd land face up? You got to keep them. Um, yeah, something like that. And, that sounds right. You know, naturally, I don't know about you, but at my school, the eventually the authorities were just like no pogs because, as with anything along those lines, if you have a situation where kids are engaged in the situation where. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a zero sum game and some something are gonna like Id- actual physical items are gonna be transferred from one person to another in terms of ownership. There were gonna right. be issues because kids are gonna be cry foul and be upset because they lost their prized pogs because uh, they and not everyone can participate because I guess two people were people were too poor to have pogs or whatever. Um, yeah, I just feel like pogs were like super cheap and available. But I, then they got, like, things got crazy because, like, people were, it got to be, like, a Beanie baby situation where there was, like, a pog economy. I mean, just, like, how, you know, maybe preceding that you had baseball card economy. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Following marble, that. Marble economy, for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. I'm sure there was a Pokemon card economy, so. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that would have been a little after my time. Yeah, um, say, same here. I mean, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm coming by that by conjecture. Um, yeah, I, so anyway, we've talked pog, Pogs. Uh, 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 Paul, Paul, Tyler, Paul, quote, Tyler, Paul Beal. Okay, so he shows up in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> three days after being questioned by police saying he doesn't remember anything um so because the unsolved mysteries crew was there when he got arrested uh they also happened to be there the next day when um paul's mother flies in from boise to post bail for paul in las vegas so we we get it. it's not a reenactment we get the actual filmed reunion with paul and his mother um I don't, I mean, this guy, if, if, if this guy's acting, he's got to be one of the greatest actors I've ever seen. Okay, Truly. so you're going to come down on uh, Genuine Amnesia, which, which I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I think I'm, so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, the final update that we get in this is that Paul was, uh, I think, uh, what was it, returned back to Boise. Sir, um, I don't think they charged him with grand yeah, he spent 90 days. They only charged him with petty theft, not grand larceny. The case is closed. So, um, you know, I, I realized this was probably his first offense. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he was, pro- he was probably just living his normal life. And 
and much like the woman in the movie Psycho, like mm-hmm. this opportunity to engage in this illegal activity came came its way, and he just like in a moment of weakness took it up. I mean, granted, mm-hmm. in her case, it made sense because she was she 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 was you know going off with like a hundred thousand dollars in nineteen fifties money. Whereas he, he, for whatever reason, he frozen food. Yeah, yeah. frozen food. Yeah, like some some frozen peas and shit. And yeah, he threw his life away. Yeah, uh, I, so I realized well, this was his first offense, but I can't help but remember yeah. the guy in season one who got life imprisonment uh, because mm-hmm. for 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 Polish sausage and and saltine crackers, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, that was in Texas. Apparently, Idaho's more lenient wasn't I, that in texas yes that i well yeah of course yeah. <laughs> so uh, i think you definitely want to aim for idaho justice not texas justice if you're gonna uh do a little petty theft uh so do you want another further update that unsolved mysteries um didn't present to us oh wow okay <laughs> because i'm looking at the wiki so uh, i guess paul had a heart attack in november of 2007 yeah. Um, and it left him in a minimally conscious state. So we'll probably never know if his amnesia was genuine or fake. Oh, like no. he could admit to it now saying it was fake because the criminal case is closed. He can't be charged with anything again. Yeah. Um, so we'll never know. Yeah. I, so, uh, wow. Gosh. Well, I'm, and I'm just curious, like, okay, if it's genuine, at some point, he's driving that truck with a frozen food, but and then somehow ends up in the desert. What happened to the yeah. truck with frozen food in it? Did did he I get? Don't know. Did somebody? <laughs> did he pick up like a hitchhiker? And the hit and he explained his like situation to the hitchhiker. Like, yeah, I I got in a bit of trouble. I made a decision I shouldn't have, so I'm going back to to face the consequences and own, own up to it. And the hitchhiker's like, wait. You mean there is a shipment of frozen food back here? And he like he 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 he, yeah. he, 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 he kicks Paul out of the truck and drives away with it to to to, to you know turn his to, to become a rich off off the shipment. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny actually when I was watching this before they started getting all these updates. Cause they make reference to how Paul had like memories of particular military installations. He mm-hmm. knew like mechanical stuff and how to, uh, the, the internals of a, of a particular fighter in the United States military fighter jet. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I kind of wondered, is this a situation where like, was he because you know they they emphasized there was no they didn't have any records of like no fingerprints no mil you know the military didn't have anything on him so how's it he knows all this military stuff I was beginning to wonder yeah. is this was this guy like a spy a spy mm. who ended up getting amnesia so like he has he knows all about these military bases because he was like you know keeping tabs on them and stuff for whatever foreign government wow. he's working for. And that would explain why he doesn't have like, they don't have any records of him or, or anything. Yeah. 
I I mean, I guess that part still really remains unexplained why he had intimate knowledge of military bases in San Diego. I I can only, apparently he'd never lived there. Yeah, it, it's strange they don't elaborate on on that. Like, cause you 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 don't get the impression that was part of his life uh, in Boise. Mm-hmm. I can only assume like maybe he was just um really interested in military uh, hardware and stuff, right? There's there's a lot of people Maybe. Who like, there's a lot of people who like planes or or submarines yeah. or, or tanks. Yeah, there's a lot of like train heads out there. <laughs> like themselves some choo-choos. That reminds me, I like knew some people in Reno briefly. They weren't good friends of mine. They were just acquaintances I ran into a couple of times. Yeah. And one of the guys worked for Union Pacific Railroad. Um just for real briefly I'll explain that. The, the through uh, basically the I-80 corridor that runs along a transcontinental railroad system. So it mm-hmm. runs right through Reno. And um, so this guy worked for Union Pacific and he said that like, he doesn't really like to talk about his job because every time, I mean, he was talking about it to me because I obviously was like a disinterested <laughs> <laughs> listener. But um, like, the, like these, there are these train freaks out there. <laughs> Like, and they would just grill him about, like, the workings of the train and the schedule and, like, oh, what kind of kind of locomotive are you using and all, you know, how many tr- uh, boxcars can it, you know? And, and then there's, like, all these other freaks that will, like, get on the tracks or, like, wait close to, like, when they know the train's going to pass to, like, see the train going by and... <laughs> you know, that's... There's, like, this whole subculture of, like, train freaks out there. Okay, I don't. That yeah, I, didn't know about. I I don't want. I mean, I, I'm I'm a bit worried that this will you know. Well, this episode runs a little long. Who cares? There's something very yeah. similar to what you've just described. A friend of mine mm-hmm. who lives in Reno, she has this neighbor, a very reclusive guy who actually, I won't get into it because that'll be like another thirty minute conversation. But right. he apparently has some sort of obsession with um, aircraft because, like, mm-hmm. they live so, like underneath the flight path that planes take to land at Ta- uh, Reno Tahoe. So he like mm-hmm. he is always leaving his apartment, standing out in the parking lot with his phone, and uh, just so he can like observe the planes landing or taking off. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. I yeah, I knew I knew about those people, for sure. Like the I I love planes. Planes are great, but I mean, the like the train freaks seem to be putting themselves, and and this is why the guy I was talking to got annoyed because he was like, they're really putting themselves in danger. They're getting too close to the train as it goes by, and it's really annoying, and it's a safety issue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I, I I understand exactly what you're saying. So you're not. You're not suggesting what percentage of these train people do you think want to have sex with the trains? Um, uh, probably like with the, I don't know how you have sex with a train. I'd have to like (laughs) get, go ask Chuck Tingle, world's greatest author, and get back to you about that one. But Or maybe have, um, or, or we can broaden this out, have sex on a train? I think it's all of them. I want, I think they want to have sexual relations 
on or near a train, but maybe not with the train. Yeah. That seems really dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that, that, so should, that, should we move on, or are we going to want to talk about train freaks for the rest of this episode? How many, what percentage of your of our audience would you speculate linger around railroad train tracks freak? waiting for trains to pass by? Um. I I I feel like our audience is probably real real straight laced, real wholesome folks that don't have deep desires concerning trains. I'm not trying to kink shame anyone. Just like don't don't put your genitals near a speeding train. Is all I want. Yeah, that's probably good do advice. Don't do it. But yeah, let's... just don't do it. Like appreciate transportation for sure. It's great. Uh, it gets us around. But like, don't put your dick on a train track, please, weirdos. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to derail the train either. Oh, that's, that'd be quite uh, that'd be quite a s- something. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll start talking about uh, <laughs> uh, uh, spousal poisonings instead. Okay. Okay, so. Our our next unsolved mystery involves the death of a woman named June Maloney. This was a uh, mm-hmm. 1960s, uh, I think Rochester, New York. Her and her husband Joe, they had a some sort of fight, just fall out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I. I I believe the implication was Joe was physically abusive. So we get a little reenactment where like one of them storms off and drives away and there's a custody thing because uh, there's two kids. So it's obviously a very uh, deteriorated relationship. Mm-hmm. And we go immediately from this to Joe showing up at the residence of his friend, Neo, Neo, who is an amateur mm. chemist and has a little chemistry stat set in the basement of his parents' house instead of, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people have <laughs> have train setups in the basement of their houses, but Neil Neil's not a train uh, fetishist. He he likes his chemicals. Mm. And in the reenactment, Joe in what is one of the most like nakedly trying to find out how to poison a person inquiries is mm-hmm. like so uh how how much poison would i need to like kill a dog and not but but you know have it be a chemical that no one can trace yeah but like a big dog like a hundred pounds or so just like a big dog like how would I, <laughs> yeah. much poison would i need to do that but this did you already mention this took place in the 60s Yes, yes, like uh, 67. Okay, sorry. No, no, that's okay. So the friend, the chemist friend, though, that they're interviewing for the first, for the majority, actually, of this segment, I think he's the only talking head we get, isn't it? Uh, And then then there's June's June's friend. friend. Yeah. Um, But the chemist guy was like, "Mm, in my mother's house, my basement laboratory, and I told my sister to stay out of there, and it was just like, Jesus Christ, dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man uh, what do you think what do you th- uh, <laughs> actually gosh who was it um 
No, 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 no. I'm thinking of the last mystery for this episode. I was going to say, at some point in this episode, I remember someone mentioning somebody not having much luck with the ladies. But I, I just remembered that's yeah. in our last segment. I, I was about to ask yeah, whether that But applied. also this guy. <laughs> yeah, he probably does. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and this guy is, like, casually admitting that, you know, I realize it was 20-some years ago, but there was, like, a dog that was knocking over garbage cans in the neighborhood. And that he'd been developing this poison solution to I, kill the dog? No. I, what the fuck? <laughs> is is that it? I, in my viewing, my interpretation was that was part of Joe's. Oh. Yeah. It like, wasn't the chemist guy? No, no. The chemist guy for as nerdy and <laughs> friendless and, and, and loveless as he, he obviously is, I think. What it was is because as part of Joe's explanation, you know, because I mean, just asking like, because it wasn't just asking about these chemicals. He wanted some. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and, like, and obviously for, you know, most people would be horrified at the prospect of just poisoning a dog without any. Well, I mean, even with the reason this just because this dog is knocking down your trash bins. Yeah, you don't get to kill the dog. Yeah, that. I mean, call the dog catcher. The do- complain to your neighbor. Poison your neighbor, <laughs> but do not poison the dog. Yeah, and maybe because the dog maybe not poison is this your the neighbor dog's fault? either. But what, what? is this really the dog's fault? Maybe the dog should be kept in the yard. Yeah, and supervised. Yeah, is yeah. Is this exactly. really? This is like having an annoying kid in the grocery store and being like, ah, uh, the kid must die instead of being like, maybe I should talk to the parents yeah, about what their kid's doing. And honestly, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, and honestly, like most of the time when there's an annoying kid in, in the grocery store, I am not really too put out by it because like seeing the frustration and harried looks on the, the parents is actually sufficiently yeah. entertaining enough to me that <laughs> it makes. Oh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever? I'm like, I, like I, I look over at them and I'm like, "Wow, you got you really uh, made your own bed with that, didn't you?" <laughs> yeah. I have. Uh, have I ever admitted that sometimes in those situations where, like, you know, a kid's having a meltdown, like mm-hmm. if the parents' backs are turned to me. And I make eye talk mm-hmm. contact with the kid. I actually makes uh-huh. like faces at the kid to like drive yeah. them even further over over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do that too. <laughs> I do that too. And a lot, but sometimes I just throw like a bitchy look at the kid, not the parent, and the kid gets really scared and shuts up. That's worked a couple of times. Oh, I, I can... where I've just like a it's stranger stare down at a child, they get really nervous. Oh, totally. <laughs> and they stop yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> like, because well, that that's the I thing. The wouldn't... kid, the kid knows yeah. that like their limits with the parent are apparently astronomical, but this stranger who knows what, 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 you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's worked (laughs) and you're welcome parents. Yes. You're welcome for all the times that I've done that. Uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, Neil, the chemist. Oh yeah. Who, uh, I'm fairly certain is not, not a dog poisoner, just, just a nerd with his chemistry. Okay. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you clarified that. Cause I was interpreting it like he was concocting this thing with this plan to like kill the neighbor. But I guess that was, uh, the, the co- poisoners, the cover story, cover story, which even right. then, uh, Neil at, during the course of the conversation got sufficiently freaked out 
that he decided to lock his, his chemistry set room and he explained to his family, hey, don't let anyone in here under any circumstances. And then mm-hmm. I think if I understood correctly, like his sister arrived, uh, 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 came to visit or something uh, or uh, had been away. I don't know. She lived there. Okay. I don't Maybe know. Maybe she lived there. But uh, Joe used some story about how he desperate, like she let him in and he gathered up his chemicals. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess like, I mean, if you're the sister and you, you're like, you're probably, you're primarily thinking like, this isn't someone coming by to like collect poison to kill someone. You're, you're maybe right. worst case scenario, you're thinking like, he's going to steal my brother's chemicals. But, and she seems sufficiently assuaged by the fact that like, he only took just a little bit out of a thing. It's like, okay, he probably just needs it to do his whatever cleaning that he, that he yeah, you yeah, but it's just at the, at the more to the point, more to Neil's point though. He gave very specific instructions that no one was to be allowed into the basement <laughs> laboratory. He was very specific with his family. Yeah, you know, and what his little sister do, you know, and also I feel like all of this story is made up because if um, Neil had directly supplied the, and I I really feel like this entire story is bullshit because if Neil had directly supplied that poison to what's his name <laughs> maloney, uh, joe mr maloney joe joe maloney yeah um if he d- directly and knowingly supplied it to him he would be an accomplice in murder so i really think neil has made this story seem very accidental so he is not charged with anything definitely in his interviews like it does seem like he is he is really trying to emphasize like i didn't want to give him anything yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, I think he I think I think he knowingly gave the guy dog poison. I you know, that's what I think. Right, happened. right, right. He he, he, he wasn't trying to help, help him poison a person, but he 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 apparently right. was yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I I can believe that just but judge. If he had knowingly supplied a dangerous substance to this person, not actually he would be an accomplice to right. that murder. Right. Oh, by the way, someone gets murdered. <laughs> in this yes, we have a segment. I guess I kind of jumped the gun on that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's it's okay. Um, yeah, um, we jump to a few weeks later. There's a birthday party for one of Joe, June and Joe's kids, and we get a reenactment yeah. of Joe uh, handing June a drink. And the reenactor mm-hmm. really like he sort of you know you it's one of those situations where he's like, so how, you like the drink? It's good. And it, it would yeah. He's, as he twirls his mustache. <laughs> yes. You want to drink all of it, right? Um, yeah. Quite, you know, it's funny. I can't recall. Was it in the Justinian Code? Um, mm. There was some... <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to recall either. <laughs> that in, in, one of intro. The, in one of the law updates in the Eastern Roman Empire, like, there was some commentary mm. in, like, about, like, we don't want to make divorce too difficult because it'll just end up increasing the incidence of spousal poisonings. <laughs> mm. So, I mean, that so can... this is a problem for the ages. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. Uh, in fact, I think like, uh, even just, I read, you know, in the 20th century, um, the, the increased availability of divorce, uh, did substantially reduce the amount of spousal homicides. 
That's that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, great news. Uh, anyway, very very soon June becomes ill. Her friend apparently who lived uh, just down the hall from her uh, here's Joe and the doctor talking in the hallway, uh, finds out June's ill. You know, Joe doesn't want her to go in, but she goes in anyway. She talks with June. Mm. June, obviously, like, she's not buying the idea that this is just food poisoning. And she kind of even subtly insinuates to her friend that, like, I think Joe might yeah, because like as soon as Joe enters the room, she get like the re- the reenacting person. She gets she does a good job of like getting real quiet and you know mm-hmm. like, expressing like that subtle amount of fear. And by the the next day, June is in a coma. Um, and yeah, so Joe Joe has uh he has killed June through poisoning. Um, they actually figure this out very, uh, uh, surprisingly so. And, uh, he gets caught up in the criminal justice system, but pleads insanity and gets sent to a mental hospital that surprise, surprise, <laughs> he, he, he leaves after a couple of weeks, runs off in the middle of the night or, or something. And th- the still shot when they say they introduce the idea of a psychiatric hospital is just this ominous like Victorian building. Like he has, he was committed to like bedlam or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like we're going to see him in a straight jacket with a metal cage box right. over his head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was really like really hard cliche. It was like a shadowy uh, shot of a, like a, you know, gothic looking, just, just picture like a scary mental hospital in your mind. And <laughs> that's what they showed us. I'm like, that can't be where he was. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the, um, but, you know, you got to do with B-roll footage sometimes. Exactly. Budget. And then we have a weird... Uh, apparently, Joe managed to escape to Ireland. And we get a... Uh, yeah, well, he, he... As Neil told us earlier, he had that hot Irish temper. So he went to go be with his people, I guess. <laughs> amongst, amongst his own. Uh, and we get a Irish-accented cop... Uh, reenactment because yeah. Joe apparently suffered a robbery in his <laughs> in his home mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thought nothing of contacting the police to investigate. Yeah, and giving his fingerprints to the police. <laughs> gave his who then gave it to Interpol. Yes, and this. Yeah. and he 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 is. We have a situation concerning uh, if you're a lawyer. You should be thrilled because in mm-hmm. this reenactment they talk yeah. about it's complicated about extradition treaties between the United States mm-hmm. and the Republic of Ireland. Uh, yeah, Joe, the, when the two countries really formalized relations, Joe was arrested, but then the the initial treaty they had signed uh, to mm-hmm. to in the run up to like what they're gonna do something more permanent expired. So he was just ended up mm-hmm. being let go. Yep. And nobody's seen him since. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of that story. <laughs> God. Mm. Um, Robbie, 
I hate I hate to do it, but we gotta we gotta do the next one. I guess it kind of speaks to how strong the season has been so far that the Shroud of Turin yeah. segment is not like it's like a footnote. Yeah. Uh, but yes, our next segment concerns the Shroud of Turin. Uh, I'm sure everyone is familiar with the basics of it. It's this piece of cloth that uh, some people believe has an imprint of Jesus from when he was crucified and mm-hmm. his body was wrapped yeah. up in it. Yeah. Um, there's not really, I mean, this isn't so much a reenactment of a specific event. It's just sort of differing mm-hmm. interpretations on this. So there's not really like a story to be told here, except like, uh, unless you want to cover yeah. the, 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 the odor origin, uh, uh, cause, uh, the shroud was supposed to have eventually made its way across Anatolia, modern, modern day Turkey to Constantinople mm-hmm. until in 1204, when the people of the fourth crusade actually attacked Constantinople and, uh, carried off much of its wealth, including the, the shroud disappeared um allegedly uh, surfaced in the possession of the savoy uh dynasty who mm. the the sort of the 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 thesis antith- antithesis of this segment is is this the the that shroud from constantinople or is this something the savoy family had commissioned to be made right mm-hmm um, and so we got basically just sort of, we get some interesting stuff. We get, uh, a photo, this guy does this photo analysis using computers where he puts mm-hmm. pictures and the, the, and I, I distinctly remember this, seeing this as a kid, like it'll, it'll show this 3d effect on, uh, the, uh, 3d pattering on the computer screen. And I guess the, mm-hmm. the thing was, was, uh, you know, it was, to, to sort of sass out whether this was something that was painted on the shroud or something that, that came in mm-hmm. into um, uh, printed on the shroud in a different me by a different means. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have different people talking about disagreeing about uh, cause they there's organic matter they find in the shroud that could be, what was it? Pollen pods. Uh, yeah. That were one guy said he you know, one, one guy found some that traced it could be traced to Turkey, so that would seem to substantiate the idea that this is the shroud that was brought to Constantinople. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get some nice little reenactments of like the shroud being put into this like Byzantine style case that only showed its face, mm-hmm. and you. You get the story mm-hmm. of like the king of Edessa being shown shown it, and he's healed of all of his ails and and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a pretty rich segment. What- I w- I want to, yeah, I wanted to talk about. There's the guy who kind of inter- introduces. Um, he's he seems to be some kind of Catholic scholar. I don't know that he is a priest, but he's wearing the white collar in yes. the segment. And uh, he goes off on some tangent about how anyone with an IQ over 100 would understand, like, <laughs> that this 
this is the tr- the true shroud of you know i was like what what that's really specific first of all mm-hmm. um to say that but it's also kind of like you're a dick <laughs> i don't know right. <laughs> like uh this, this, i this summarily is, through all the yeah no i was Go just ahead. gonna say this yeah it's literally the sort of like things people angrily say on facebook well anyone with a brain would know yes yeah yes yeah, that's I guess that's the vibe that I was getting from this guy. Um, well, they do some radiocarbon dating too. They do another analysis. I mean, there's kind of varying disagreements. To some say that they're you know because samples were allowed to be taken out. Fiber samples were allowed to be taken out yeah. of the shroud in the 1970s, I think it was. Yeah. And um, so since then they've been analyzing the the fragments. There was actually an analysis. I looked at the. I looked up the Wikipedia page for the Shroud of Turin. Another analysis was just completed this year. Oh, wow. Um, But basically, uh, yeah, there's some varying arguments between different scientists. Like, oh, is this blood that stained the the Shroud or is it paint? And, you know, one of the scientists on the segment said it was paint. Another one said it was blood. Another interesting piece of, like, um, sort of resurrection or Jesus resurrection lore that I was not familiar with. Mm Mm-hmm. Until this, I mean, granted, I'm not, I'm not, this, this Shroud of Turin thing seems to be a big deal to Catholics, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, relics are a big deal and, and Orthodox Christianity as as well. But, um, uh, so it's really, it's really the, I I guess the, the Vatican that has the final say on what the Shroud of Turin is. But, um, one of the things I didn't know about was that allegedly when Christ was resurrected um so he 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 died uh on the cross and then he was put in a cave and then yeah. like three days later he emerged from the cave and i guess the idea is that the shroud was what was over his body when he was buried in that cave oh um, okay that's what <laughs> what you're gonna say. okay because my mind fixated on i mean no but that is exactly yeah, yeah that the, the, he was the that was put on his body but the, yeah. There was there was something. Well, the there was some, burst of radiation. Yes, yes. When he was resurrected, it's part of the lore. Like what? <laughs> so like radioactive Jesus came back on Easter and was like, <laughs> what on earth? What? What? I I that that is the th- single the thing that more than anything else in this segment stood out and re- stayed in my mind was where did that come from? Well, who who yeah. came up with that? There's, a, I, I don't know. Wow. Um, <laughs> so, you, have you seen those charts where it shows like how much radiation you get from just like being being outside in the day, and then like gradually yeah. going up, and you know, like uh, getting a chest X-ray, and and then it finally goes up to like you know being being exposed at Chern- Chernobyl or something. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. where on there would you say Jesus's resurrection <laughs> would would be placed in that scale scaling? Um, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna say probably probably. I mean, he got a new body, so that's apparently where the burst of like radiation comes from. Yeah. So I'm gonna say it's probably somewhere like around chest X-ray. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it seems like uh, it seems like it wouldn't just be a trivial amount. It's 
Right. Well, I don't think a chest X-ray is a trivial. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, but... yeah. Um, gosh. Wow. That a, Jesus's return had a radiation burst. I I have never heard that yeah. before. Um. Um. <laughs> I. Uh, gosh. I, I, you know, I've been writing down possible titles of this episode while we've been talking, and I have so many to choose from. I think Radioactive Jesus might be, might be the winner, though. You know, that'll probably be uh, like, I mean, just from the perspective of an episode title of someone who's new to the podcast, just scrolling through, like, yeah. what should I listen to? Radioactive Jesus will probably mm. be uh, something that yeah, draws might, a lot. Yeah, might of, be the one. Yeah. <laughs> more clicks on that one yes uh so uh, i i guess at the end of the day though most experts come down and the vatican was basically this is what stack narrates at the end the vatican's basically like ah this is cool and if you want to meditate on this cool piece of uh fabric you can go ahead and do that but the vatican really isn't saying it's real and i think most scientists now would say this was it was uh, a forgery created sometime in the 13 late 1300s right yeah that's, that's what the radiocarbon dating says yeah so yeah so uh mystery solved i think that's the widespread agreement yeah, yeah. widespread agreement's not real but it's it's a cool piece of art for sure oh yeah it's really um, neat uh for sure i yeah so like i mean I guess like if you just put a sheet over someone for like three days, does the, does the oils mm-hmm. and stuff just sort of get absorbed? I guess. Or I don't. I don't know. That's not really explained. I don't really know how like f- funerary shrouds work. Yeah, neither in that way. Neither do I. Uh, I guess maybe that's something I might want. I, I might want to look in on it. It's. Yeah, no, I mean, this this was definitely a little, this segment was interesting to me, if, if anything, because it's like, ooh, there's some uh, perpendicular references to Byzantium uh, mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was interesting, but I, I, I mean, it, I, compared to the other, and the segment we're about to talk about, I don't even think it was the most interesting segment in this entire episode. Okay, so you're, you're going to be... <laughs> Actually, you, you, so... <laughs> I, I, you know, honestly, I'm really interested. The fact that you were you were so hot on doing the Etho, um, the Etho yeah. segment, I'm really fascinated to, to see what your perspective is on this. Well, let's get into it. Okay. So I want to I want to give Ethel Ethel Kid her due though. Um, yeah. She was a 61 year old woman who had moved to Burr Hill, Virginia, um, from Washington D.C. And mm-hmm. um, she was you know she's a retiree. Her and her husband are building their dream house out there. It's close to their kids. Um, um, she's super close with her family. So while her house is being built, she had a ritual of going over to her daughter's house for a cup of coffee in the morning. And one day um, she doesn't show up. Her son calls the house. No one answers the son uh, concerned her son-in-law actually sort of uh, decided to go check on Ethel drove by the house. Uh, Ethel's car is still parked in the driveway, but interestingly, when her son-in-law approaches the house, he finds a road atlas. Now, Zoomers, let me explain to you what this is. Uh, it used to be before we had <laughs> GPS on our phones and Google Maps, we had these things called atlases or road maps, and they were paper, and you, they were big like a newspaper, 
uh, and you would unfold them and have to use your mind and your eyes to figure out where you were and where you were going. The, and that's what a road atlas. Road atlases were great fun. If you were on the like a cross country road trip, you, you know you, mm-hmm. you you could like I you know with like I would be with my mom and I would be the quote unquote navigator with the road atlas in my lap, you know, trying to mm-hmm. deduce exactly where along route whatever we were between Altoras and Grant, uh, Klamath Falls. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing is, yeah, they. Of course, they were not as helpful when, like, you needed, um, if, if you're going to a city, like, they would have, like, maybe a little box in the mm. corner with the general layout of the city, but you're going to have to yeah, stop. Yeah, or just, like, the downtown area. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're going to have to yeah. stop at a local gas station and pick up a specific map for, for that city. Mm-hmm. Now, like, Google, like, having Google Maps in my life. I can't even mm. like calculate how life-saving that has been multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, a, a road atlas, I probably should be more specific. It's more like a book. So there would be p- different pages you would flip through for different sections of a county or a city. I used to have a road atlas for Reno Sparks when I was a delivery driver. Mm-hmm. So like in the back, there would be like a glossary of street names. And you look at the street name and it would tell you what page it was on. And then like you would have coordinates. Yes. Uh, you know, letter and then number coordinates. So that's what it's, that's what an at- atlas is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so so and, 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 then that, and then if you want to stuff yeah. papers into it, <laughs> you can do that too. Yeah, if you want to put some creepy fucking notes to yourself <laughs> uh, in an atlas, you can do that. Um, so this atlas is out in front of Ethel's house. Um, investigators later find some motel stationery that had some weird writings like, you know, uh, we're both out here, let's fuck. Like, it actually got blurred out on Unsolved Mysteries, but that's basically what it said. Yeah. Um, so there's, like, all these weird sexual notes in it. Um, they were on flashcards. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, arithmetic tables would be for a kid, but for, uh, trying to pick up strangers. This is pre-Craigslist, you guys. Um, there was also an outline of instructions for the perpetrator to follow his plan of murder, including references to selecting a location, then obtaining a new identity. They actually show the note on Unsolved Mysteries. It's super creepy. Um, there's, yeah, it's like seven steps to kill somebody and get away with it. Uh, so Thomas, her son-in-law, Ethel's son-in-law. Only sees the atlas. He doesn't notice the notes. Thank God. Yeah. So I'm glad he's not the one that had to f- see those. Um, he goes in the house. Everything in house in the house is in order. Uh, Ethel's things are all still there. There's no sign of a struggle or anything like that. Um, so a search party goes out by error and land. Um, they don't recover Ethel. They don't find her. But about a week later, after she disappeared, a hunter's out in the woods. And I don't really want to describe this because it's kind of upsetting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I will, but I'm giving someone an opportunity to skip about 30 seconds ahead, and then we won't mention it again. Um, Okay, skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. But uh, they find Ethel um, fully clothed, but um, tied to a tree, her body facing uh, this um, access road. Um, so it was pretty close to a road where some she was meant to be found yeah. that way, clearly. Um, there's also signs that she had been 
um, preserved in some kind of freezer situation. So the cops narrowed down it down to folks who might have access to that. Um, so, and, and there were a couple other things that were able to pick up from that. I won't get into all the other bits. Uh, it's pretty horrifying anyway. Um, so, okay. If you've stopped fast forwarding, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's, you know, they had a suspect in mind. They figured this person was probably a loner. They figured that Ethel was probably snatched up in her front yard. Um, yeah, when they were describing... Because drove by and... Yeah. yeah, when they were describing their, you know, what they figured the per- the perpetrator was going to be like, they, they talked about how, you know, we really didn't have much luck with the ladies, probably, uh, kind of mm-hmm. lived alone. Mm-hmm. They're going through all this stuff, and it began to sound more and more like they're describing an incel. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. That's I think I think that's who they were looking for. Um, they just didn't have that work word back then right. i mean i think they were i think the cops were on the right track though just given the evidence that they had yeah with the atlas and all the weird notes and stuff um so this is actually there's an update it was solved fortunately this this one actually yeah, unlike thank God. The, the poisoning one um so there was a, a, a the, sh- the while the show was in syndication it aired again um and it generated a tip about a suspect named edward wayne beverly and he was already serving time for prison in prison prison for an unrelated crime um uh his handwriting matched what the notes that were found at the scene um he had lived in the area but suddenly left after the murder so it's pretty definitely this guy um, they compared his DNA and fingerprints to the evidence at the crime scene and they matched. And then a few months before he was set to be released for this other crime, he was charged with Ethel's murder. He was convicted of all the things that he did and given three life sentences. And he died in prison in late 2008. So, Good riddance. Yeah. Just, justice, justice was served. But I, this crime was super disturbing. Oh, totally. Like, uh, I it was it was weird to have them like I don't like when they they do this where they have like the worst thing you've ever heard of and then you just drop it right at the end of the episode, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, like maybe we could have ended with the fun shroud of Turin. Right, right, yeah, yeah. You make a good point. Uh, have we done an analysis? Does it seem like do they usually put a softball at the end or a hard? I don't, I don't, I can't d- discern any pattern to it, okay. honestly. Yeah. Yeah, there may be no pattern. Yeah, I mean, this guy was probably like, I hope this was the first and only murder he committed. Yeah, yeah, one could only hope. Yeah, no? Uh-huh. It sounds like he got picked up pretty, pretty soon afterwards and charged with another crime, so maybe he just didn't have the opportunity. Yeah. Um, cause he was already in jail, but this is some, that was some real serial killer shit that he did. Seriously. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So, they were afraid he was going to do anyway. it again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you, if you uh, enjoy, so if you want to get in, t- get in touch with us, <laughs> we're at a reenacted pod on Twitter, send emails to a reenacted pod at Gmail. Uh, reenacted fans page on Facebook. Um, um, 
Uh, get please. Uh, yeah. What did we say at Reenacted Pod on Twitter? You just said that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have a Patreon. Importantly. Yeah. Please. If if uh, <laughs> the the current uh, I think yeah the people who currently are patrons on there uh, they they all recently uh, I hope they all received their uh, their little rewards thing I sent off which included all sorts mm-hmm. of things not only autographed pictures of uh, yours truly but. Uh, mm-hmm. They uh, we sent out some Robert Stack eight by tens, all themed to uh, mm-hmm. when he was on the Untouchables. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, people were really excited. And there was like a some Taco Bell gift card, or did not not everyone get that? Every, every everyone got their everyone got a five dollar Taco Bell <laughs> gift card. So if they uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if I'm you know I'm not sure if they. Uh, they were able to to get the nacho fries um, with them mm. in time, or if there's a new mm. special mm. there that this month. Mm. But uh, yeah, Taco yeah, Bell. I really the... feel like uh, Taco Bell should sponsor this podcast already. We will take you know it, their money. I've been uh, that and that happily promote their products. <laughs> that was part of uh, my rationale. Was like I'm thinking like, gosh, maybe yeah. maybe we should just put all our efforts to getting Taco Bell sponsorship because obviously. You know, our our efforts to get Howard Johnson's uh, in uh, was right was was a little unfortunate, seeing as how the last one of those restaurants just went out of business a year or two ago. And, yeah, it's a real shame. And the uh, the tourism board on Chattanooga, I haven't got people. If you're no takers, if you're taking yeah. trips to Chattanooga, please tell them that our pod sent you there. Yeah, and you'll get twenty percent off uh, at their uh, aquarium store <laughs> if you mention our podcast. So please do that. I guess I guess I better call. Uh, I, guess, I, guess, I guess I better call the Chattanooga Aquarium and let them know that that's going to be something they're going to have to start off. Um, yeah. No, I they mean, know probably because um, you know uh robbie do you want to we gotta we gotta wrap this okay god damn it we gotta wrap this thing up do you want to do the thing all right i'll just do the thing right now uh for every mystery there's someone somewhere who knows the truth perhaps that someone's watching perhaps it's you <laughs> <laughs>